0: Grace and Peace, you're listening to United We Pray. Taking racial struggles to the throne of grace, United We Pray is a ministry devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians pray and think better about race in ways that are biblical, helpful, clear, and hopeful. You can learn more about our work and ministry at uwepray.com. That's U W E P R A Y.com. I'm Austin Suter, one of the hosts of the podcast, and today we have for you a special message, a sermon by Jared Porrance. Jared is one of the pastors at Covenant Fellowship Church in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania, and he gave this talk on ethnic unity in the body, and we wanted to share it with you. So we hope you find it helpful, and as always, thank you for listening and praying. Grace and peace. If you haven't turned there in your Bibles, go ahead and turn turn to John chapter 13, It's gonna be John 13, verses 34 and 35. And then we'll flip the page and go to John 17, 20 through 23. Again, the title of this sermon is Let's Celebrate It, The Witness of Ethnic Harmony in the Local Church. It's God's holy and authoritative word. I'll read, pray, and then we'll just jump right into it. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 17, verse 20 through 23. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Oh, Heavenly Father, would you bless the preaching of your word? Would you fill me with your spirit even now so that I can preach with joy and liberty and clarity and passion? Lord, may uh, the things that I say tonight be pleasing to you, O God. May the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let me not say anything unhelpful or anything that will tempt people, but let us leave this evening joyfully anticipating what you will do in our local church in the way that we are united and the love that we have for one another. And would you use this preaching to move us forward in that? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. (laughs) All right, so these texts, are a part of what is called the Upper Room Discourse. It's the extended teaching of Jesus that occurs right before he would go off to die on the cross for the sins of the world. These are Jesus's final words to his disciples before his last words on the cross. These are important words. They're crucial words. And when combined, they show the one thing Jesus wants to leave his disciples with before the helper, the Holy Spirit, comes to empower the disciples to build churches. In John 13, Jesus has just finished washing the disciples' feet, and he gives them a new command to love one another in the same way, just as he has loved them. In that moment, Jesus is displaying his servant-hearted, ever-forgiving love washing the feet of Judas who would betray him and washing the feet of all the others who would abandon him a mere 24 hours later. And in John 17, we get to see perhaps the most intimate inner desires of the son of God. As we get to sit in on his prayer closet, Jesus's heart is burning with desire for the church, his disciples to be unified, Showing the world the truth of Christian love and unity that reflects the love and unity that the Son has experienced in the eternal Godhead. In his prayers, this unity in John 17 and love in John 13 can be expressed in our churches in part as we pursue, address, and celebrate the value of ethnic harmony in the local church. The witness of ethnic harmony in the local church authenticates Christianity to unbelievers. The witness of ethnic harmony in the local church authenticates Christianity to unbelievers. You may be saying, whoa, JT, that's a big claim. Yes, it is a big claim. (laughs) And here's what I mean. Ethnic harmony in the local church cannot exist apart from love. Not just any type of love, but the love where it is the just as Christ has loved us. That's the only way ethnic harmony can exist. And ethnic harmony can only exist in the type of unity that Christ has described. This unity in our diversity, different parts coming together unified under the banner of worshiping the one who is on the throne. This type of love shows the world that we are Christ's disciples, John 13:35. And this type of unity shows the world that the Father has sent the Son and is full of love. That is uh, chapter 17 verse 23. Let me qualify this because these aren't the only things that authenticate true Christianity. This is just one part of our tool belt that we use to show the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is this tool that we're going to be focusing on tonight because it's an nothing harmony meeting. <laughs> and because it is a particularly powerful tool. It's not the main one, nor is it the only one, but it is a gloriously powerful one. Jesus is praying that the unity expressed and experienced in the church would match the unity expressed and experienced in the Godhead for the purpose of showing the world that Jesus truly came to us and that he truly loves us. Ethnic harmony expressed and pursued in the church shows the world that we are Christians and that Christ came. And here's what life looks like if we don't know this if we don't know what the direct impact of ethnic harmony expressed in the local church is, we're going to lessen the impact of addressing ethnic harmony or the pursuit of or increase of it to the detriment of our witness. Because if we're honest, our problem is this, is that we do not love each other as we ought. I don't think anyone here can look at the call of Christ to love one another just as Christ loved us and say, I am nailing it. What's the next thing, Jesus. We can't even love each other with the same love that we love ourselves. And oftentimes, one of the critiques that come to the American church from the culture is that the church here is actually categorized and recognized as argumentative, combative, angry, afraid, etc., etc. I don't regularly hear people saying, man, I disagree with those Christians, but they sure do know how to love one another. I believe that social media plays a big part in this. I believe that our obsession or natural inclination to the news plays a part in this. I play that a lack of personal pursuit of godliness plays part in this and it needs to be addressed. And another problem is that I believe that we can have a false definition of what unity is. Unity can become uniformity where there's no shift or change or difference among us at all. We are all the same thing moving forward in the same mission, which we'll get into later, which lessens the glory of the diversity coming together unified for the purpose of glorifying Christ. Diversity can make us uncomfortable and uneasy. I think it's because we are so influenced by the cultural conversation around this, which expresses itself in one or two ways, (laughs) where we are either overly obsessed with the topic of ethnic unity, or we think that there is no benefit at all from ethnic unity. When in reality, ethnic harmony unity and true unity in diversity shouts out the beautiful glories of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so my hope and my prayer is that we would humbly recognize shortcomings in our love and our unity, but not be hopeless in it even for a moment, nor would we despair even for a moment just simply that we would happily recognize that God is on our side in this and that Jesus is praying for us to love one another and be a bastion of unity that shows people that Christ loves us and has been sent to redeem us. But My hope is that we would put ethnic harmony, its importance, pursuit of, growth, and in, et cetera, into a simple category of evangelistic joy. That it would be a testament to the unstoppable unifying power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That it's a witness to the fact that the holy, holy, holy God, right, has reconciled sinners to himself. The God who is perfectly good. The God who has done no evil thing. The God who cannot lie. Holy, holy, holy has taken us sinners as we are. None of us are holy. None of us are certainly holy, 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 but he's taken us and reconciled us to himself so that we can call him father. And from that power, he has reconciled a hostile people to one another. He's brought us together not to simply tolerate one another, but he has brought us together to love each other supernaturally. People like us who would naturally focus on distinctions and differences and create factions are now unified in order to be a witness to the unifying power of the gospel. So I've got three quick points. Let's run through the two sections of the text and then some applications for us. This is point number one. Ethnic harmony requires Christian love. John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He says, the new commandment that I give to you, the qualifier of this commandment completely changed the game of this call to love. It's like, okay, Christians are supposed to love each other. We're like, okay, got it. That makes sense, Jesus, thank you. But in the same way he does with many other commandments, he raises the bar. He says, I need you to love one another just as I have loved you. We have to pause and think about what that means, specifically for our relations with one another, just as Christ has loved us. Well, let me stop and think, how has Jesus loved me? Well, first of all, I hated him. I want nothing to do with him. And Christ pursued me. He didn't just pursue me and love me to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to do this. No, he changed my heart that I love him as well. And then what happens after that, then I continue to sin and I reject him over and over and over again. And he is just there patiently loving me with a steadfast love that never changes. And then God is saying, okay, do you see that love that you're experiencing? Now you love one another in that same way. Christ's love is unmoved in spite of our sin. So Jesus raises the bar on the expectation of love so that our need for him is evident. We're not going to love each other as Christ loved us out of our own fleshly strength. We need the spirit. And that command leaves us desperate for his spirit because we cannot fathom the love of God in Christ. Paul prays that in Ephesians. He says, here's my thing. Man, I pray that you would know the height and depth and width and breadth of the love of God. We need supernatural power to even understand the love of God, the love of Christ for us. And now we're called to give each other that type of love. And it's a glorious and amazing calling. And then, I love this so much, this type of love becomes the recognizable mark of the Christian. It's like, okay, how are these people interacting with each other? Oh, they've got this unimaginable type of love, this love that I can't even explain. And so when people see us interacting with each other, it's like, oh man, they're loving each other in that kind of way. That must be them Christians over there. We are marked by the love of Christ. And the hope in this text is that God is calling us to something and he is going to help us to do it. This unattainable, unimaginable type of love is he's calling us to do. And yet we get to recognize that this type of love is fulfilled in Christ. And the hope is that we, as we strive to love one another in this Christ-like way, people will know that we belong to Jesus. And that is a beautiful witness to this world that they would see our interactions with one another and say, how do I get in on that? And ethnic harmony demonstrates and cannot exist without this type of love. So as we think about these issues and discuss these topics, this just as Christ has loved us type of love needs to be at the forefront. Because when we enter into conversations or discussions or debates in this topic, Without love, when love is absent, here's what happens. You'll look at this topic, not from a celebrative lens, but a critical lens full of suspicion. With harsh derogatory labels such as wokeness, smacking CRT on everything that talks about this, or social justice warrior. Or, on the other hand, anytime anyone brings up any type of question or clarifying comment, we'll say, oh, that dude is a Christian nationalist. Both sides of us need to stop hurling these labels because that is not the just as Christ has loved us. We must enter in these conversations with that as the forefront. Christ has loved me. Christ has pursued me when I hated him and I'm gonna pursue this brother or this sister no matter what. We have to consider how can God be glorified as we address these things with a biblical worldview with this type of love guiding our conversations? And what we need to do is we need to take our souls to task in this area. I've had to do this and I have to keep on doing this. If there is a Christian with whom you've engaged with in a way that falls short of this new commandment, we are called to reconcile it. That is the just as Christ has loved you. We cannot simply leave it and say, okay, I'm gonna do my thing over here. You're gonna do your thing over here, and it'll eventually all work out. No, we don't simply let it, or simply leave it or let the heat fizzle down to a manageable temperature. Christ's love for us is what we Christians ought to be experiencing from one another. And if I'm honest, Covenant Fellowship Church is actually doing a really good job at this. Obviously, we can grow in our posture towards this topic. But this church, this is a church with diversity present. And it is a church that is unified in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is something to celebrate. So technically we are in, I don't know if this is a real term, an ethnically harmonized church. Now, okay, so let me do a quick music illustration. So if I'm playing piano, which I don't know how to play, so feel free to correct me if I'm doing this wrong. You know, you've got a root note, right? Like say if I, I wanna play a C chord. So boom, boom, you play the C. But then there's other Notes around it that fill out the chord and give it its full uh, bottom so that you can feel the entirety of what the chord is doing. But they're all moving together in the same goal to make this chord. So it's the same thing with us, right? We've got all these different ethnicities and people present, and we're all striving for to make that same chord happen. But we have to be together making the same chord, striking the same note of glory and praise to our triune God, and that makes it more glorious. So if I'm using that chord illustration. What I would love to do is turn up the volume on some of these other uh, adjacent chords or accent things in a certain way so that this unified diversity is expressed and made known and can be celebrated a little louder. But what I do love is that if someone brings up this topic as a struggle, which happens often, this is a giant roadblock to unbelievers coming into love and know the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if someone brings up this topic as a struggle in their views and opinions of Christianity or as questions about what the Bible actually says on these things, this church has things in place that can serve them, resources we can point them to and show them the love of Christ and the unifying power of the gospel. Point number two. Uh-oh. Ethnic harmony requires godly unity. This is John seventeen twenty through 23. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me (laughs) and love them even as you loved me. Ethnic harmony flows from a Trinitarian understanding of unity what Jesus is describing, what the son of God is describing here is a unity in diversity. How do we know this? Because we don't like committing heresy. The father is not the son, correct? Yes, (laughs) and the son is not the father. Yet they are one, distinct in their role. The father did not come to earth. The son wasn't left as the helper for the disciples, but they are one, unified in one mission. They are one but they are diverse and they are unique and they have a specific purpose. But when all those beautiful things are coming together in this Trinitarian Godhead, it is a glorious thing. And Jesus is praying that our unity would mimic that, that we would be so united in all that we do, but still distinct in who we are, moving forward to praise the triune God. I could do a whole sermon on that. Maybe I will later. It's a beautiful truth that really helps us think about these things. And this unity, this is crazy. This type of unity proves Jesus' love to an unbelieving world. That's 23B, right? So it's right there. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. That's what our unity can do. It shows people that Christ came. That's a big deal. That makes me want to make sure that we as a church are unified in this way. The love that we have, so if we're jumping back to point one, the love that we have lets the world know that we are Christians and disciples of Christ. And then the unity that we have shows that Christ actually came and that he loves Christians. And they're going to know that Christ came and they're going to know that Christ loves from our love for each other and our unity with one another. I believe one of the largest critiques of American Christianity, again, it is a, a, especially with uh, black brothers and sisters, it is a barrier that has to be broken down, is American Christianity's past regarding racial injustice, its misuse of the Imago Dei and its championing of slavery. And I think now it's strong political allegiances, which inform oftentimes how Christians and non-Christians think about ethnic harmony, right? We're, We're using cultural ideas and different things to address these issues rather than the Bible shaping how we think on it. It is a barrier to gospel witness, Because when we do this, when we pull things from the culture and decide, this is how I'm going to think on this issue, what happens is we divide, we create factions, which is literally the opposite of unity. And then we can, our emotions get so involved in these things that we just start talking about these things over and over and over again. One of the reasons why we don't do this monthly or weekly or all these things aren't happening on a Sunday morning because this is not the main thing our church is about. It's an important part of Christianity, an important part of our walk, but this is not going to be the driving force of what Covenant Fellowship is about. Again, it's an important part, but it's not the main thing. The main thing is celebrating and putting forth the gospel of Jesus Christ. People must realize that the gospel is of first importance to us. And if we talk about these things so much, where people put that in question, is the gospel really of first importance? When that happens, we will miss gospel opportunities. Instead of showing people the sin-shattering, partiality-pulverizing power of the gospel, they will wonder if the gospel can do anything to address these past hurts they've experienced. They'll wonder if the gospel has power strong enough to break down racial hostility and build and strengthen ethnic unity. They'll question whether or not the gospel addresses their personhood, if the gospel is really for them, or does it truly have the unifying power in which it claims to have. And ethnic harmony can only happen with this type of unity. Diverse people reconciled under the gospel of Jesus Christ tangibly shows the unifying power of it. There's something that we can point to and say, yes, Jesus Christ did this. Some very practical ways to grow and deepen in unity and love, specifically in this area. I forgot to mention that at the start. But another thing we're, we're going to be doing is we're going to be having some book studies um, that we, uh, I think later on this week, I'll send out a sign up of different things. I want to go through some of the books that are on our uh, resource list of recommended readings. And one of those would be uh, my friend Isaac Adams' book. Um, talking about race. I believe I gave out a lot of copies over the past couple of meetings, but if you don't have that, uh, we can uh, talk about that. Another one is, uh, one of my favorite books on this is Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth. It's a book by a guy named Thaddeus Williams. Uh, One one determiner of whether a guy is doing this pretty well is if people on both sides get angry at him, <laughs> which is what happened with this book. It's uh, confronting injustice without compromising truth. So he sees the reality of the injustice of the world, but he says, we, as we pursue these things and confront these things, we're not going to com- com- uh, compromise any part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a very helpful read. And then uh, possibly another book uh, called One Blood by John Perkins. He's a civil rights activist, he's an absolute stud. I think he's in his 90s and this was like his parting letter, very Pauline in a way, his parting letter to the church of like, okay, how are we gonna do this? And we have to remember that we are one blood. So he talks about the unity and moving forward in hope and love regarding that. Um, So join uh, some of those book studies and have good discussions around those things. What else can you do? You can pray. And that is not a throwaway application that I had to stick on because I'm a pastor. (laughs) That is an incredible thing. It's one of the most important things that we can do and must be doing regarding this topic. Actually, if we don't pray, we're not gonna see the fruit of what we desire. We have to pray for opportunities. God loves answering prayers. And you can literally pray these passages back to God, knowing for certain that it is in his will. And Jesus' prayers are going to get answered. And he is praying that we will be unified. It is not a spiritless, flesh-empowered effort that is going to make us unified in in the same way that a Trinitarian God is unified. No, it is the answered prayer of Jesus on our behalf. God is going to help us get this done. We don't simply grit and bear it and make ourselves unified. No, we joyfully plod along in the power of the spirit, trusting that the father is going to answer the petitions of the son. And so we don't lose heart and we continue on in this, knowing that God is excited to answer these prayers. Point number three, the exciting witness of ethnic harmony. I believe we all know this, but our current culture celebrates and highlights disunity. Like it's, like it's like a value that we have of how disunified can we be? How can we make sure that we're not like them and they're not like us? It is literally an anti christ like attitude. Jesus calls for love and unity through differences. The world calls for lines to be drawn in the sand in order to deepen divisions, creating factions so that we know who's who and what they're really for in order to build and deepen my tribe so that we can quote, win. And that is not the way of Christ. Christ is calling for us to love each other. It's not flashy. It's not going to draw crowds and get people all hyped up. But it is—well, uh, maybe me—I'll get hyped up about it. <laughs> but I get hyped up about everything. But it is biblical. And it's right here in the word of God. We are called to love and we are called to a unity that when others see it, they are baffled by how these different people can be so unified. And it will testify to the power of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one way we can be unified in our diversity is through a pursuit and celebration of ethnic harmony in the local church. Again, it's not the only way, but my goodness, it is a glorious and obvious way that can shine brightly and beautifully display the reconciling power of the gospel. When we remember Christ's call and prayer to Christ-like love and godly unity, it protects us because it keeps us gospel-oriented and gospel-centered as we think through and pursue this area of thought. Because we have to be honest, anything involving ethnicity and justice Inclusion and harmony quickly leaves the realm of theological motivation and can become solely political, sociocultural, self-serving, or self-protecting. But a Christ-centered gospel connection keeps us motivated and rooted in the proper purpose of what our witness can do. And it makes this topic more exciting and the end results much more glorious. It protects us from the folly of ethnic harmony expressed and pursued simply so that we can say that we did it, check off some kind of box or pat ourselves on the back. No, ethnic harmony is not pursued for the sake of ethnic harmony. It is valued and pursued for the sake of the gospel. Yes, us coming together as diverse peoples is something to celebrate. Yes and amen. But only because we are completely unified under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Worshiping the God who created this diversity is our main goal and purpose. Our God is bigger than our differences. And so we worship the God who created these differences perfectly and purposefully. Our gospel has unified all these different people in worship to the one throne, unified under the redemption granted to us in Jesus Christ. And remember, this isn't like we were kind of good people and then he brought us into redemption. No, we hated him. We wanted nothing to do with him. We could not be farther from Christ. And yet he came and he rescued us and brought us together under the lordship of Christ. And then we get to do that with one another. We get to say, yes, I've been reconciled. I've been brought in and you can be brought in as well. When people come in and say, what is going on over there at Covenant Fellowship Church? What is all those things that they're doing? It's like, come on in. This is glorious and beautiful. I was a terrible sinner and now I'm a son of God. That is why we talk about these things. That is why we want to keep our love for one another in check. That is why we want to keep our unity with one another in check to the glory of God's great name. And here's the crazy thing. I've just got four little quick closing comments here. No discourse around this topic is joyful, hopeful, or motivated in love, but the churches is. When we talk about this topic, we can be joyful. We can be hopeful and motivated in love because of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've been shouting about it for the past 20 minutes. So this lets us talk about these things and be excited and empowered. Know that God wants to empower us to do this because God is for his glory. And God is glorified when all these different people come together and say, man, we are under the lordship of one God. We love him and we want to worship him above all else. Our differences, though they are there, and they are celebrated, they are set aside because Jesus is that majestic. He is that glorious and he is worthy to be praised. And the people will see that and they will know two things. We are his disciples and Christ loves his disciples and they can get in on that type of love. No other effort or unity joyfully submits to the ultimate supremacy of a higher calling except for the churches. There is a constant, steady, and unmovable reason for why these things matter. The moral compass of the culture shifts with whatever they think works in the moment. But we are standing on the immovable, unshakable word of God that he's left to us. We worship a speaking God who never changes. And he is forever good. And he is forever faithful. And as we seek to glorify him above all else, we are headed towards the right target in all of our pursuits. No other effort for unity has a compelling vision of what the ultimate goal will look like. We've got that passage in Revelation 7, right? It's that glorious moment where all the people of every nation and every tribe and every tongue are coming together, unified to worship the lamb on the throne and no other entity or people pursuing this type of unity actively practice what that looks like. That's what we do every single Sunday morning. We are rehearsing for that time when we are going to be at the throne worshiping Jesus forever and ever and ever. And finally, no other ent- entity pursuing unity of any type has the earth-shattering, eternity-altering power of the gospel of Jesus Christ as the crux of the whole system. The vertical reconciliation that we have received because of the death of the Son of God and his resurrection from the grave. That Reconciliation pours out over into horizontal reconciliation that we experience and we can point people to Christ and his gospel in our unity as they ask us, how is this possible? And then we can say it's because we serve a higher power, a more glorious God who has given us a glorious gospel in which we proclaim that he is worthy. And that salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. Let me pray. And then Ben, let's uh, finish by singing in Christ alone because why else would we not? Because that's what we're about. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us you are so gracious and so merciful and you've given us so much in Christ. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who desires for us to be unified. You, we, we worship a God who is so creative in how he decides to create his peoples, to come together and worship a God who is glorious and worthy to be praised. Lord, you don't call us to worship something else. You call us to worship the only one who will fulfill us. And that is a kindness, a kindness, that we receive from you. And so God, we declare right now that it is in Christ alone that all of our hope is found. It is in Christ alone that we want to worship and rejoice in and glorify. And and we want the world to be able to sing this song with us because of all that you've done for us in the life and death of Christ. And so we love you and thank you for your kindness to us. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.